You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. On this week's episode of Talking Taiwan, my guest is Sergeant Stephen Lee, a 16-year veteran of the NYPD. He's a whistleblower fighting to reform police corruption, and he shared his story with me. This is part one of my interview with Steve. Tune in next week for part two. You'll hear what happened to Steve after his undercover work and the related court case, his thoughts on how to combat corruption within the NYPD, and why he plans to run for state assembly next year. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, let's start from the beginning. Um, I'm curious to know um, what is it that made you decide to go into law enforcement? And as a kid, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah. Um, first, I have to say that I'm here as a private citizen and not a rep of the NYPD. Um, what I'm going to say is what I feel is a public concern. Um, yeah, so when I was a kid, did I want to become a police officer? Not exactly in mind. Um, it was just that I wanted to help people, right? And, you know, um, my mom, actually, she's um, very superstitious. So she went to a fortune teller and, you know, she was Mingma, right? Mm-hmm. And the person said that, you know, I should be like a government official or Zhuokuan, right? And my mom was like, I, since you like hanging out and you like helping people, you may as well get paid for it and become a police officer. And my dad, he was a city worker. Um, he was New York's MTA. City working, union, stuff like that was big in my family. And they asked me to take the test. So I took the test originally in 1999. And um, I passed. Had a really good score. But... You know, I was just turning 21. I wasn't really um, into, uh, I guess, being tied down as being a police officer. And so I didn't even fully go through with it. Um, then 9-11 happened, and that changed my mind and perspective. Like, I really wanted to go out and help people and stuff like that. And, and so I took the test over again. And then the process took me to 2005, January 10, 2005, when I finally became a police officer. Great. And can you tell me, like, was the job what you expected it to be? And obviously not because <laughs> you're uh, fighting against police corruption, but I'd like you to talk about that and then what kind of corruption that you saw, what you started seeing. Oh, yeah, definitely not what I expected it to be. But in the beginning, the job I had right before that was health insurance, right? Was, you know, signing people up for med- free Medicaid, uh, free Medicare, so forth and so on. And in a sense, it was still helping people. But the company that I worked for, it was like, uh, it was a lot of numbers involved. New clients go out, get new clients, sign up people, get in applications, so forth and so on. And if you didn't produce the numbers, they would fire you. So one of the reasons why I also became police officer was stability. And the quota system, I didn't want to get involved in the quota system and the politics. I didn't want to play politics. Oh, so wrong. <laughs> When I became a police officer, that's all it is, is numbers and politics. Numbers and politics. You got to go out. You got to go out and get 20 summonses and one arrest. You have to play politics because, like, the Jewish community controls NYPD a lot. A lot of communities, they have these community leaders that control, you know, what the department does and stuff. 
and it causes corruption. But at the time I was still naive about it, it was, you know, like, oh, I guess they just get special treatment because of religion and stuff like that and, you know, so forth and so on. What do you mean that um, you had to have a certain number of summons and all that? You mean like you had to meet that? What would happen if you didn't meet the quota? They play word games. They don't call it a quota. They call it um, expected performance. Each um, officer is expected to bring in 20 summonses and one arrest. And it has to be certain summonses too. Like you're allowed to bring in maybe like 10 park parking summonses and then you have to bring in some moving violation summonses and some criminal court summonses but if if you're on a foot post which me becoming a new police officer i was on foot post you're expected to bring in parking summonses and criminal court summonses so you know criminal court summonses like urinating in public drinking in public uh, bike on sidewalk stuff like that um, if you didn't bring in the summonses, then you'll get yelled at one. Then if you still don't bring it in, you'll get hazed. Like, you know, start, people start flipping your locker. People, you know, you get bad foot posts. You, you'll get all the bad assignments, so forth and so on, until you come along with the program. So what's a bad foot post or a bad assignment? The foot post has nobody wants. <laughs> a bad assignment would be like, oh, you sit on a DOA. DOA is a, you know, um, a deceased individual. Did this happen to you? Yeah, plenty of times. Um, hospitalized prisoners, um, people with mental hygiene problems, you sit and have to guard them in the mental ward if they're under arrest and stuff like that. Either no overtime if you like overtime, or they'll give you overtime when you have weekends off so you don't get the weekends off. When you're trying to request time off, like, you know, like a, not a vacation day, but like if you're trying to take lost time or you're trying to like leave work early, I mean, lost time is like leave work early. Or if you're trying to take a day off, they'll deny you the day off and stuff like that. It's very, uh, very exhausting fighting against them. So I imagine there were times when you legitimately wouldn't be able to meet the quote unquote quota. Does that make people try to make up excuses to get enough summons to meet the quota or whatever? Yeah, well, it makes police officers more aggressive, like um, actually go out and look for stuff and then like borderline situations to like, you know, enforce. You know, let's say somebody's double parked just because they're unloading something for their grandmother or something like that. You know what I mean? Like some cops would be like, oh, there goes my double parking something, right? Because I need it. Not a lot of officers do that, but still it's that kind of situation where actively pushes you to go and enforce something when you didn't really have to right there was actually a scandal where they were caught writing fake summonses oh really from the graveyard yeah (gasps) so they call them phantom c's right and even the 250s with the stop crushing frisk they wrote a lot of fake ones also they would get names and fake date of births you know make a database of births, you know, of the names on the graveyard and stuff. Yeah. There was a big scandal like that before. It, I, I don't think it, I don't, I don't know if it made paper before, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it definitely happened. Wow. So, I mean, this isn't something that anyone in the NYPD will ever admit to that there's this quote unquote quota or these things no. that you're expected to do. But so why do they do this? Generate money. Generate money, one, uh, the city would never admit to it. 
because it's not just a secret in NYPD. The mayor knows about it. You know, government official people know about it. But it generates so much money for the city, writing parking summonses, writing wound violations, writing criminal court summonses, because people have to pay the fines. And so when they pay the fines, it generates money for the city. Also, the second thing is, is Comstat, right? So Comstat is a monthly meeting that they have uh, with all the big upper chiefs and stuff. And they, they have to talk about, okay, you know, shootings are up, let's say, for instance, right? Shootings are up in Queens. And then let's say, you know, let's just say the 111 precinct or something, or I don't know, 105 precinct, right? Whatever precinct. It's just for example, let's say shootings are up in a certain area. And then that precinct commander has to answer, what are you doing to stop the shootings? And then that precinct command could say, oh, look, we're stopping more people, right? We're frisking more people. We're, you know, summoning, we're enforcing, you know, minor crimes because broken windows. We're enforcing minor crimes more to stop the bigger crimes from happening. We're arresting more people, right? And stuff. And so we're trying to get the guns off the street by doing that, which is enforcement, right? So that's why people do it too sometimes because if the crime rate is up, then, you know, they have to do more to take care of it. Also, that causes precincts now sometimes to not to take the report correctly. So let's say I seen once if somebody got shot and then the complainant wasn't compliant, you're still supposed to take a report for a person being shot. But instead, they'll be like, oh, you know, send them to the hospital and don't don't worry about the report. So that's one less shooting recorded. The why? Because they don't want to have the shooting recorded. I don't understand. Yeah, because they because then they have to answer for additional shootings. So then they can say crime oh. is down, mm. shootings are down. Oh wow! Yeah. Interesting. It's um. it's it's <laughs> a whole different world when you when you you know when you're in it. It's yeah. a whole different world. Can you talk a little bit more about what your career has been like? I think that you also saw some things when you were undercover. Right. So my career was great when I was in Brooklyn um, and I was a police officer. Uh, my career was also good when I became a sergeant for the short time that I was in 109 precinct. And I was just doing patrol and crime unit and stuff like that. And it was great. So one day I'm driving my supervisor, um, the lieutenant, and I'm driving him to the pizza shop to get pizza on 162 Street and Northern Boulevard. And he says to me that we need to get rid of our commanding officer. So we had a new commanding officer come in because the morale was really down. Um, the lieutenants were terrorizing the cops and the cops union, the PBA, brought in their own commanding officer, a supervisor that would um, help them bring morale up, like correct working conditions, right? Because it was a hostile work, uh, work environment where if you were not friendly with the lieutenants, then you would not get days off. You would, you know, not get what you want. So you have to, like, kiss ass, right, and be part of their club. If you weren't mm -hmm. part of the club, then you would get all the crappy assignments and, you know, all that stuff get messed with. So they brought this commanding officer in. He, you know, was fixing things. A lot of lieutenants left right away when he came in. Um, so as he's fixing the precinct up, they didn't like it. So this lieutenant was like, we need to get rid of him. And I'm like, okay, why don't you make a phone call? Because that's what happens in NYPD. If you know people up top, you make a phone mm -hmm. call to them, and they can mm -hmm. pull strings and move you around or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. 
So he's like, no, that won't work because he's well like up top too, and you know, won't go anywhere. So I'm like, okay. He's like, no, we need to think of something else. And I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, um, maybe we get one of the girls from the karaoke said that he raped them. What? Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> what? Are you are you joking around? Like, are you being serious? And he's like, yeah, like you know, try to see if you could find a girl from one of the karaoke's and you know, that's willing to say that he raped them. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Like, I thought he was just, like, pissed off venting, you know what I mean? Like, saying irrational stuff. During the week, he kept on asking me, hey, Steve, did you find a girl yet? Did you find a girl yet? So I realized this guy's being serious, right? I went to my commanding officer's room, like, office, right? I knocked on the door, and I'm like, hey, uh, boss, do you have a minute? He's like, yeah, sure, what's up? Come in. So... I told him, look, I don't want to get involved because I don't know anybody up top, right? I don't have, like, connections up above. Right. They can't, they can pull strings for me or protect me and stuff like that. So I was like, look, I don't have no hooks. You know, this guy's well-connected. You're well-connected. And, you know, I don't want to get involved. I just want to give you the heads up because I feel like it's the right thing to do, you know? So he's like, yeah, sure, what's up? I was like, look, somebody's trying to jam you up, meaning somebody's trying to get you in trouble, right? And he's like, oh, Okay, what is it? So I know how to protect myself. And I go, look, somebody's trying to put fake rape charges on you. And he's like, okay, I think I know who it is. So if I say his name, just give me a wink or a nod or whatever, right? And he says his name. And I go, yeah. And he's like, all right, thanks. You know, thank you for letting me know. So I leave his office. A week later, he calls me back in. And he's like, Steve, look, you know, I know you didn't want to get involved. But, you know, I had to drop a log. A log is a complaint. Right, complaint report to internal affairs to protect myself. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. Right. And he goes, internal affairs wants to know if you could go where recording devices to get it on recording and, you know, so forth and so on, get some evidence. And, you know, at first I was like, you know, I don't want to get involved because if I go undercover, I know if I do something like this, they're going to transfer me out of the precinct. It's my dream precinct. It's flushing. You know, my, my family shops there. You know, I have friends in the neighborhood. It, it's a nice precinct. I get to help my people, you know. So it's right. kind of like my dream precinct. Plus, it was mm-hmm. very close to my, my house, you know, my commute. And I didn't want to leave. But because working eight years in East Flatbush in Brownsville is tiring. And this was mm-hmm. like, you know, how like my, my break, right? So... You know, he's like, you know, you don't tell internal fears no. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So they came to my house when I'm off um, to interview me. Then they interviewed me again. I think they did like three times. And then they're like, okay, you know, we'll give you some devices. Um, try to get them recording. But the whole time was the lieutenant used to bring it up to me. And I never went to go look for the lieutenant to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And so when I did that, the recordings, it kind of looked kind of suspicious. And so, you know, the lieutenant will go, oh, what do you mean? And then not, and then when I was like, oh, you know, the girls, like, you want me to find the girls, you know, to say that she, she got raped, whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. And then it wouldn't be enough to be on tape, right? So then they're like, you know, you need to hang out with him when you're off duty and go drinking with him and see if, you know, he'll change, like, if he'll leak it when he's drunk or whatever, because it seems like when he's drunk, he's more aggressive or whatever, and so forth and so on. Oh, because you had to have him explicitly say that he wanted you to do this. 
Right. So we did that, started hanging out in the karaoke's together, going to dinners and stuff like that. And I noticed like, oh, wow, it's not just him going to karaoke. It's not just him going to dinners and stuff. There's, you know, other lieutenants, there's other detectives, there's other cops, there's other captains, um, people who drive the chief and stuff like that. Like, you know, the people hanging out, it's a whole network of people. And the things that you see when you're hanging out is kind of like, oh, like shady or like something that you see gangsters do, right? And they are hanging out with gangsters also. Wow. So I'm like, look, you know, I go back to internal fear. I go back to my handlers and I go, look, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, we should investigate or whatever. And they're like, don't worry about it. You know, just worry about the rape charges. Well, what kind of stuff is going on? It's a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> They're getting paid, like, at the time, I was, at the time, suspicion-wise, but now, after the case, I know what they were doing, but at the time, I thought they were just being really reckless, like, you know, they were manhandling women, like, you know, like, just grabbing up women, stuff like that, the the PRs, they were grabbing them up, you know, there was other gangsters in the room taking drugs and stuff like that, you know, um, they were, like, dry-humping women, like, practically almost raping them, you know, like, it was crazy. Hmm. So now that the case is over, I realized they were actually taking the women home and some of them were forced by the owner or whatever to let go home with the person and stuff like that. And they were getting paid off in the bathroom and, you know, they were having sex in the bathroom and stuff like that. Hmm. It was a whole bunch yeah. of stuff. Yeah, people were taking drugs and they were the, the drug dealers that they were with in the rooms, they were actually protecting them and stuff, and making deals and so, so mm-hmm. on, getting paid off by them. So this kept on coming up. And um, it was just to a point where I'm, I just kept on saying, look, we have to do something about this because they're, they're something there. They're, you know, they're, they're getting paid off or something, like something's happening. So the turning point was when I had to do an inspection and my cops had people in handcuffs. And then um, internal fears had me tell my cops to release these people so that I could gain more favor for the two bad officers, right? Yeah, with the lieutenant. All right, there was a lieutenant and a detective. There was a mm-hmm. detective involved also that was really close to it. And so did that. Next day, detective... Um, approached me and said, oh, the lieutenant, you know, told me what you did and blah, blah, blah. And we spoke to the owner of the karaoke. It won't happen again. We're pissed off at him, blah, blah. It was supposed to be nobody there. We told him that you guys were coming at a certain time and, you know, he just, it was supposed to be no customers there, but whatever. So he, the last sentence was, let me know, you know, if you need anything, I'll tell the karaoke owner, which is, you know, the person, Jimmy, right? Mm-hmm. I'll tell Jimmy and he'll take care of you. So I thought, look, I I could possibly get a bribery case here, right? Um, asked your asked the cops to uncuff these people because they're supposed to be quote unquote protected by these the lieutenant and the direct detective who have a connection with the karaoke place. Right. So okay, so the karaoke is located on Northern One Forty Seventh Street, right? The owner' name is Jimmy. Um, Lieutenant Sung was the one that told me to go do the check, and then Lieutenant Sung wanted to do the check because the commanding officer had lists of places for him to go check. And so Sung was protecting that place and he gave Jimmy, which is the owners, a heads up saying, look, I have to come do a check. You know, we'll put it on paper, 
but don't have any customers there, so there's nothing to check. And Jimmy was like, okay, don't worry, the place will be empty. And he told him what time we were coming. We went there, and the place was empty except for one room, right? And my cops found drugs in that one room, like jars of ketamine, found a dealer in there and everything, had people handcuffed. And then I turn around, and I look at Jimmy, and then, you know, I was like, all right, let me call internal affairs. I call internal affairs. I'm like, look, supposedly Lieutenant told Jimmy that we'll come do a check. There's supposed to be nobody here, but instead there is somebody here. We have people in handcuffs. What do I do? They're like, well, call Sung and see what he wants you to do. Fine. I call Sung. No answer. Then I get a call back from a detective, Detective Yam. Mm-hmm. And it was because Jimmy called Yam and Yam called me. And he's like, hey, Steve, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing a check at 147 Northern. And he's like, why? And he's like, I'm like, what do you mean? And like, you know, the lieutenant told me do a check. And he's like, yeah, but you guys got to have like people in handcuffs or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. It's like, why do you guys have people in handcuffs? Uh, like, I don't think the lieutenant would like that. And I'm like, well, because, you know, I told my cops to go do a check and they found drugs and illegal activities. And so they're going to arrest them, right? right? And he's like, yeah, but they know better. They're supposed to have the, like the blinders on and stuff like that, you know? And I'm like, you know, I don't think they know better because I told them to do a check, right? So they're like, I'm like, what, what do you want me to do? He's like, well, you know, let them go. I don't, you know, that's Sung's place. Okay, fine. So, so how are your cops supposed to know that they're not supposed to arrest people? Because that's what they're supposed to do, right? What does that mean? Right. So supposedly, I guess sometimes they tell them, hey, go do a check, but don't really look. Right. Oh really? But these cops were good cops. And mm-hmm. they were, you know, they know that um, I'm a straight shooter, right? I'm not yeah, one right. of them. So they can do a real check. Mm-hmm. That's why they found drugs. So, you know, uh, I call internal fears back. I'm like, hey, look, this is what he said. He said, let him go, whatever. And they're like, okay, do it. I'm like, look, but my cops have these people in handcuffs already. If I let them go, are they going to get in trouble for it? And they go, no, no, no. They're not going to get in trouble for it. They're identified because we're telling you to let them go. Fine. I go back downstairs. I tell my cops. That's cuff, crazy. Yeah. So you let them go. <laughs> Yeah. So I go back downstairs. I tell my cops, hey, you know, uncuff them. And they're like, what? They're confused. Yeah. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I've been told to let them go. And they're like, let me guess, a certain white shirt? Because lieutenants wear white shirts, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, let me guess, a certain white shirt? Because they know straight off it was coming from Sung or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Or somebody who represents Sung. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is effing bullshit. I can't believe this. How are we supposed to do our jobs? Why you even come and tell us to do a, a you know an inspection here if we're not going to enforce? Blah blah blah. And yeah. so when they get a cup, they let them go. They get pissed off, and so forth and so on. Right? Um, mind you, internal fears ends up getting them in trouble for that. Wow. Even really? they, yeah. Oh yeah, it's crazy. So that happens. And then next day, you know, Yam comes up to me, detective, and he's like, hey, you know, thanks for doing that, blah, blah. And, you know, if you need anything, we'll let Jimmy know. He'll take care of you, blah, blah. And so I went back with internal fears. I'm like, look, this is getting too ridiculous. We're letting people off. My cops are getting pissed off at me, whatever. We got to do something about this, right? And then that's when they started like, okay, we, let's investigate. And they wanted to keep the investigation only to Sung at the time. And I'm like, but that's bullshit because Yam is always there, you know, and... Mm-hmm. There's other people involved as captains and lieutenants and 
other units like vice unit, narcotics unit, stuff like that. Like there's so many people involved, right? Mm-hmm. And they, me with like, I was undercover for like, I think almost two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So after like exposing all this, I get all these other people on recording, right? And they always keep it to Lieutenant Sung. And then they're like, all right, fine, get Detective Yam also. But that's it. I want to keep it to those two. Wow. Yeah, but there was a lot of people. And a lot of them are still on the job. You know, oh, are still goodness. working as police officers. Yeah. yeah. So they don't want to, you know, investigate everybody else. And um, at the Why end. Not? Because their thing was, when I, when I brought it up one time, I remember specifically my um, handler telling me, hey, Steve, corruption is like the war on drugs. You take one drug deal off the street, another one will pop up. And I'm like, that's so stupid. Like, no, mm-hmm. you 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 take down as many as you can. You take down the head and you set an example and, you know, you strike fear into cops who want to be corrupt. You know, like they'll think twice before they do it. But no, they they only want to go after those two. I think it was because mostly um, saving face. If a big wide network of corruption was to be exposed they would lose so much face at the time. It would just make the NYPD look so bad. Right. Also, de Blasio at the time was, you know, announcing that he was running for president. Mm. Right. So he would look bad also because under his mm. regime, there's so much corrupt police officers mm. going on. You know what I mean? And so forth and so on. So they didn't want to look bad. Right. No, no commissioner wants to look bad that there's a wide corruption network, whatever, under his command. And I think also at the time, Bratton wanted to run for mayor eventually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he couldn't look bad coming back. And there's a wide network of corruption. And that's terrible that the two cops, I thought that they were supposed to not get in trouble, the ones that you told them to uncuff people. Yeah, but they end up all getting in trouble. There was like five cops there, maybe. Oh. Yeah, they end up all getting in trouble. So, and they end up hitting me for it. Because yeah. they're like, well, you kind of like entrapped us, you know, yeah. like, yeah. and I'm like, look, it was not me. Like they told me you guys weren't getting in trouble, but they, they didn't want to hear it. Yeah, that's so that's that. If the whole white network of corruption comes out, then, you know, they, the department loses face and so forth and so on. This way, if it's only two cops, they could say, oh, we net, we, we isolated this. It was isolated incident and we took care of it. And that's that it's done. Right. Instead, it's not an isolated incident. It's a white network of corruption. And it's not just two Asian cops because they're trying to make it seem like, oh, it's 109, it's an Asian neighborhood, and it's two corrupt Asian cops. No, that's not the case. And also, this is not the first time. So three years before this incident, there were other two cops that got arrested for extorting massage parlors too, and they were part of this network also. You know, so, you know, you see, like, in the future, there'll be other cops from 109 that's going to get arrested also because they never cleaned up the whole ring. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, some of the people are right. still in there. So, one of the cases, two years later, they end up getting arrested. Wow. Yeah. Two so, years, my goodness. I'm sure you have yeah, a lot of Yeah, two years. And then, like, it was getting to the point where we're about to get a chief. We're about to get some captains. And then when I get them on recording, they will say, oh, the recordings went bad and so forth and so on. Or the device failed. We couldn't hear you or, you know, so the device didn't work. Oh, wow. So you actually got, got them on recording. You gave it over. And then that's what their response was, that they, it wasn't usable. Yep. <laughs> wow. 
two years is a long time. Did you ever feel like you were in uh, any kind of danger doing yeah, this kind absolutely. of work? Yeah, absolutely. So there was one time, this is when I, I realized that I'm out there by myself the whole time. Because when you're out there undercover, you're supposed to have a ghost unit. A ghost unit is like another undercover blending in to the environment and watching you just in case anything happens, right, mm -hmm. as a backup. Okay. Then you're supposed to have like a tech unit, which is people who are recording it also. Right with like cameras and stuff like right. that. Uh -huh. um, then you also have uh, a hospitalized car, which is like let's say something goes bad and I end up getting shot, they can rush me to the hospital. Right. Oh, wow. And then they also have a supervisor car to supervise all this, right, and orchestrate it. Wow. I had okay. none of that. I had no one watching me. Right. So how yeah. I realized this? One yeah. day I'm meeting Sung at um, CEO karaoke I'm meeting him there I go into the room and he goes immediately Steve let me see your phone and I'm like what he's like let me see your phone and I give him my phone and he mm -hmm. unlocks it right well he says oh, unlock it I unlock mm -hmm. it and then he goes through my call log goes through my text messages goes through my emails goes through my pictures everything right oh, wow and I'm like what's going on luckily when they call me on my phone, I delete it all the time because I, yeah. I got paranoid, right? Uh -huh. So I delete it all the time. He didn't find anything. He oh, gives wow. back the phone and he goes, I think we have a rat, all right? And I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, at this time, like, nobody's supposed to know. Yeah. Right? But he, he got the heads up that somebody's, you know, doing something, right? Somebody's, uh -huh. somebody's whatever. Somebody's on to him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he's like, I think we have a rat. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And he's like, you know, somebody working for internal affairs. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why are you going to do my phone for her? Right? So whatever the case is, I'm like, look, I'm going to go get a girl. Right? So I'm going to look for PR. And I went outside to smoke and look for PR or whatever. I went to go outside to smoke. I called my, you know, my backup immediately. I'm calling oh. internal affairs. I'm calling, I'm calling, calling. Nobody picks up. Oh, wow. So I call my commanding officer. I'm like, look, I'm supposed to be out. He's like, yeah, you're supposed to be on a, on a mission right now, like on a job right now, right? Like investigating, right? Whatever, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, but nobody's picking up. He's like, why? What happened? I was like, Sung just went through my phone and he suspects somebody's working with IAB. There's a leak, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It's not the first time that happened. So at first, when they told me I was going uncovered, it was like, this is only going to stay between your commanding officer, which, mm -hmm. you know, the one originally I approached. Right. He's going to know us two, which is a, a lieutenant and a sergeant, right? Those mm -hmm. are my handlers. Mm -hmm. Nobody else at Internal Fear is supposed to know, except for the commissioner. Wow. Right? It goes up to the commissioner. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, the upper chiefs that meet with the commissioner or whatever, right? But supposedly this one was only going straight up to the commissioner, which is bullshit because the chief's driver had approached me once mm -hmm. and said, Steve, IAB is watching you. you. Stay away from these places. You know, like you're being watched. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You know? And that was like a month into the investigation, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, I go back to my commanding officer. I go back to, you know, IAB and I tell him, look, you guys have a leak. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look, somebody just, you know, the chief driver just came back to me and told me that I'm being watched. And IAB is watching me that they know there's some kind of connection there, right? And they're like, no, 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 let's investigate. Let's see, you know, ask him how does he know, whatever. So I asked him, and he's like, oh, because the chief told me, 
right? The chief had a meeting with Conforti, which is my commanding officer, mm-hmm. had a meeting with, with Conforti, and then, you know, Conforti told him that there's an investigation going on and involves me, whatever, and then the chief act, because they thought that the investigation was uh, of me, about me, right? Oh, right. So they didn't tell her the full details. Hmm. So then she asked him, hey, what's up with this guy, Lee? Is he a good guy? All right. And then he told him, like, yeah, he knows me. I'm confused, though. Shouldn't she know that you're on a case? Like, you're undercover, like, trying to expose Song or something? That's why the commanding officer was telling her that we're going to conduct the case with internal affairs, so forth and so on. Because that's his direct supervisor, right? Mm-hmm. So he has to tell her. But mm-hmm. after this, they were told he was told not to report to her no more. Mm-hmm. Right? But the thing is, yeah, she she can know, but she can't know the details because what if she's elite? Like now. Yeah, yeah. Right? So supposedly she went back and told the driver. The driver came and told me. <laughs> and then that's when they stopped reporting to her. And they're like, okay, we found out what happened. Mm-hmm. We're not going to report to her no more. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's when they started investigating her too. Mm-hmm. And the driver. And the driver was hanging out with us all the time. Robert Young. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't know if you guys know His name is Robert Young. He's been in Flushing for a very long time. Mm-hmm been in the Chinese community for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever the case, we investigated Robert Young and the chief at the time and all that stuff, and it, it didn't go anywhere because they didn't want to They didn't want to pursue it. They just got him on administrative charges, and they didn't want to pursue like his criminal charges and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, after I call them, they don't pick up. I end up getting home and leaving Sung like around 3 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, something like that. Um, I get home. And the sergeant finally calls me back. And he's like, hey, big guy, you called? And I was like, yeah, where the hell were you guys? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, look, Sung just went through my phone. And, you know, I, was, I thought I was burned. Like, my cover was burned and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, I thought something was going to happen. He's like, oh, I just got to work. Like, I have a life, too. Like, I just got to work. I got, you know, a wife and kids. I'm like, what are you talking about? You just got to work. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. The, the operation started at 10 o'clock. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, but I didn't get to work just, just now, like, you know? And I'm like, who's out there watching me? He's like, what do you mean? Nobody's out there watching you, big guy. You oh, know nobody watching you. You're a big boy. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. I'm in the room with gangsters and cops, and they both have guns. You know, like, and they make people disappear. Like, I, they don't they don't play oh, this boy. whole thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, they could have just grabbed me, and the gangsters could have freaking did something, and then Sung mm-hmm. could have act like he was working, investigating, closed out the case like it was nothing, like you know, like some kind of robbery or something, like you know what I mean, like you know, like whatever. So that's when I found out I was alone out there the whole time. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and because that was, that what was if early you, in operation too. Yeah, because what if you um, hadn't deleted stuff on your phone and you found something? What would happen then? I would have been fucked. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been an oh shit moment and I would have had to like shoot my way out or something and yeah, it would have been bad. Wow. It would have been bad. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was really, really bad. Yeah. It was, there's even a recording of, um, it's online, right? It's a recording of the, the lieutenant, my handler. It's like he butt dialed somebody so the voicemail picked up the recording. Uh-huh. And he's also talking about how, oh, you know, like how they, they mess up on operations and how they're not doing it properly. They don't have police cars out there and stuff like that. They don't have the manpower out there. It's, he's talking about how, oh, I can't believe that IAB is allowing the chief to get off and stuff. And she's doing so much stuff that's messed up and all that stuff and hmm. so forth and so on. Yeah. 
and he's IAB and he's complaining about IAB. And wow. mind you, when, when that recording came out, he got kicked out. <sighs> right. So how did um, you end up getting Sung and um, Yam and Jimmy, I assume? So um, we knew they were getting paid off by the karaoke owners, right? And some drug dealers and human traffickers and, you know, prostitution houses and so on and so on. But we couldn't get it on recording because mm. we don't, when, when we see each other, we don't say, hey, I'm, you got paid off. You know what I mean? That sounds so stupid, right? <laughs> so they wanted to, the, the chiefs actually wanted me to ask that kind of question. Or ask them if they got paid, if they're getting paid, how much they're getting paid, and so forth and so on. I'm like, oh, we don't wow. ask those questions. That's, not, that's yeah. a stupid question. It's too but, direct. Yeah. We, we, we look at each other and it's like, you know, yo, did Jimmy take care of you for that thing? Yeah, okay. That's it. We don't right. ask how, when, why, <laughs> right. how much, what did he that give you? That would be very, very suspicious. <laughs> right. You know, and, and you, would, you wouldn't tell the other person that anyway, right? So um, they had me get really friendly with Jimmy because they were like, pick, you know, who, which one of these owners or which one of these people that paying them off will be most likely to um, flip, right, and become an informant. And I'm like, I think Jimmy has the most to lose, right? Mm. And Jimmy is like the type of person who's an opportunist. Mm. So he will, you know, flip, right? So we picked Jimmy. We targeted Jimmy. We got in close with Jimmy. And then when I got in close with Jimmy, you know, he he offered me, right? He's like, oh, you know, look, um, I'm opening that new place CEO. He opened up that new place. He's like, yeah, you know, and I give you, you know, partnership in it. Right, give you like two thousand dollars a month or whatever. Because I told him, like, the way I did it was like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm hurting, I'm not getting enough overtime, you know, I need some money, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, you know, look, I'll give you partnership in my place, but you know, just make sure like nothing happens, like, you know, if there's a check or something like that, or like, you know, my competition, you know, whatever, you know, so forth and so on. And I went back, and Internal Affairs was like, yes, do it, okay, cool. So Jimmy gave me $2,000 a month, um, and then it wasn't enough, right? So me just giving him the heads up of checks and stuff like that didn't happen or, like, you know, whatever special favors didn't happen, right? So he was like, look, I'm losing money, right? I'm hurting. Can you help me shut down my competition, right? And mm-hmm. which was HR bar, you know, and um, – I think it was, um, um, what was it called? GS. It was called GS back then. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, he's like, can you do inspections here and like try to shut them down? Hmm. So I told internal affairs, he's like, they're like, oh, you know, ask him what he's willing to get. You know? So Jimmy said, you know, I asked him, oh, yeah, I'll do them, but what am I getting out of it? You know? And he's like, what do you want? And I was like, Yo, you know, I'm hurting on cash, right? And he's like, all right, I'll give you $10,000. Wow. Right. Yeah. So we went to HR. We tried to find stuff. Right. He's he gave us like this um, building plan or whatever, and it's supposed to be offices and wasn't like mm-hmm. zoned for like mm-hmm. a bar or karaoke. Mm-hmm. We looked that up. They changed that. They corrected that. That didn't work. Um, then he's like, you know, you can find drugs up there. Like they shut down my place. Right. My my mm-hmm. license is in danger whenever they find drugs or underage drinking, whatever. We try to find that up there. And internal affairs would do raids up there, and they wouldn't find anything. And, mm. you know, we tell them, like, look, they flush it down the toilet board. They disappear. 
by the time we get up there, you know, because when you HR is on a second level. So when you go up there, by the time you get up there, all the waiters already tell everybody, cops are here, cops are here, right? And it knows, everybody knows us too. So Jimmy was like, look, I'll send my kids up there, right? And they'll have drugs on there, on on them. And then when they're up there, I'll call you and then let you know and you arrest them. Wow. And I'm like, you're going to give up your your lang ties, like your kids. But it's like, it's like, yeah, so what? You know, they're just kids. And I'm like, whatever. So, um, Internal Fears was like, you know, maybe get drugs from him and we could like tell him that we're planted there or whatever, right? So, um, I asked Jimmy, I was like, look, why don't you just give me drugs and then I'll plant it there and then, you know, we'll shut it down like that. He's like, all right, fine. Oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, I met with him at um, Rose Tea by that b- big municipal parking lot, all right? Um, so, we sitting there, I'm in, I'm in uniform having tea with um, Jimmy, Jimmy's wife, and <laughs> wow. his, his partner. Um, okay. Um, yeah, his partner. And I'm sitting there in uniform, and then his partner just takes out a bag of ketamine, right? Like a, a oh, bag, boy. like a red envelope, I think it was, and then it was mm-hmm. ketamine in there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he just slaps it in my hand. <laughs> and there's a girl, I look up, and there's a girl, like the female waitress. She's like standing across from me, like just watching me like i'm like bro we're in public and i'm in uniform you just slap like <laughs> drugs in my hand you know like and the girl didn't wow. even like flinch or anything like she's just like my like you know like it's okay you know they're wow. like oh, don't worry about it you know so he puts drugs in my hand jimmy slides something in my pocket which was the envelope for like two thousand dollars right huh. i take it wow. i put it in my pocket right away and then like okay you know Blah blah. We have some more conversation. Then I leave. I go straight to internal affairs. I tell him, "Look, I just got drugs and cash wow. in uniform in public." <laughs> oh my god! You know what I mean? Like, and they're like, "All right, that's great." A week later, that place got um, HR got shut down for you know drugs <laughs> that they couldn't find the whole time. So apparently, their undercovers did plant the drugs and shut it down. All right. So wait. So you gave those drugs to somebody else to plant them? I gave the jokes to internal fears. Okay. I gave right. everything or whatever yeah, I okay, get okay. and evidence, whatever. So and any cash also that you get, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. It goes to internal fears. We right. voucher it. We, we initial right. it, right. you know, and we clock it in as evidence. Right. Okay. You know, so they, they shut down the place. Then okay. they're like, all right, meet with Jimmy, get paid. I met with Jimmy, got paid. And then like a couple months later, they end up arresting Jimmy. And um, they How did, did they it really. Arrest him. That sounds like there might be a story there. Yeah. So <laughs> they messed up on that arrest also. So what happened is I'm out on another operation with the chief's driver, try to get him at an unlawful location, right? Because that's what they want to get him on on ministry charge instead of criminal. So we're at an unlawful location that we're not supposed to be at, uh, which is Jimmy's bar. The reason why it's unlawful was because Captain Eng had put that place on unlawful because it's drugs going on. So no cops supposed to go there because there's illegal activity going on, right? So, which is supposed to be like, you know, like kind of like heads up, this place is bad or owned by the mafia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Stay away from this place. It's bad, right? Mm-hmm. So we we were there drinking. Um, Jimmy was there also. It was like maybe 6 o'clock in the morning, whatever, and Jimmy ends up getting picked up. Um, the partner and somebody else comes up to me. Hey, Jimmy just got arrested. Find out what happened. Jimmy got arrested. And I'm like, 
Jimmy got arrested. Okay. So I called the precinct, and they're like, nobody's there by the name, whatever. He's not here. Then it hit me. I'm like, oh, let me call internal affairs, right? So I call internal affairs, and they're like, yeah, we have him. Okay, you did you want to give me, like, the heads up so that I can know? Like, you know, it doesn't surprise me, you know? Wow. So they didn't right. give me the heads up. Um, they mm-hmm. arrested him. Next day, um, one of the other cops, this guy called Benny Wong, He's really bad also. He's still a cop police officer. Wow. He's been in the Chinese community also for a while. Mm. So what are the cases? Benny Wong traces the phone um, because Jimmy has an iPhone, and the wife gave him the iTunes login, whatever, to trace the iPhone. Oh, they so, find, find my iPhone thing. Yeah, so they trace the iPhone back to Long Island City. Mm. And they're like, oh, well, we think Jimmy got picked up by Internal Affairs because they know that Internal Affairs office is in Long Island City. Uh, uh-huh. So we think Jimmy got picked up by internal fears. I'm like, what are you talking about? How do you know that? They're like, because, you know, I just traced the phone to Long Island <laughs> City, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay. So I call, I, I, I break off. I call, you know, internal fears. I'm like, yo, does Jimmy have his phone on him? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, did you guys turn off his phone? No, why? I'm like, turn off his fucking phone. They're tracing the phone back to your fucking office right now. <laughs> They didn't take the phone away from him? No. Are they supposed to do that? Yes. <laughs> so they're like, oh, shit. We'll call you right back. So I'm like, all right. So they call me right back. And they're like, what are they saying? What happened? Blah, blah. I'm like, dude, why would you let him have his phone? Like, we, you, you know, why does he have his phone? Like, he's, you're supposed to take his phone. Like, yeah, we had him, <laughs> like, you know, going through the phone or something. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, well, Benny Wong traced his phone back to fucking Long Island City. And yeah. they know that, you know. Your office is there because you're, you're, you know, the internal affairs office is not a secret location. It's, everybody knows where it is. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be a secret location. <laughs> right? Because you have undercovers coming out of that building. Right? Oh so, and these undercovers yeah. are supposed to investigate cops. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's not a secret location. So whatever the case is, um, they're like, oh, you know, try to, try to make up something to cover for it. I'm like, what the hell you want to make up? Like... <laughs> They trace the phone back. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, are there any federal offices in, in Long Island City? Like, you know, in immigration yeah. or something, right? Because uh-huh. we could say that, you know, Jimmy got picked up by immigration, right? Mm-hmm. So I made that up and I'm like, you know, I think Jimmy probably got picked up by immigration. It's like, what do you mean? I was like, yo, I remember Jimmy telling me that, you know, he's illegal here and he doesn't have papers and that, you know, he hasn't checked in in over a year. Uh, you know, maybe there's a warrant out from whatever. So then mm-hmm. internal affairs had to call immigrations and immigrations had to make up fake papers for him to use to show them mm-hmm. that he got picked up by immigration. All those stuff. So that that almost blew up the, the, the operation up after all the hard work I'd done. Because that cop, Benny, wanted to see it? Well, a lot of cops stayed away from Jimmy, right? Yeah. So the lieutenant was like, stay away from Jimmy, stay away from Jimmy. Yeah. Wait until he shows us the papers, proof that he got picked up by immigrations and not, yeah. you know, IAB or whatever. Everybody mm-hmm. stayed away from Jimmy. Everybody's investigating now. That's when I find out that they actually had people in immigrations that were part of the network also. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was a lot of... It's everywhere. Yeah. There was a lot of, because, um, you know, law enforcement, they're friendly with other types of law enforcement, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, it's it's a different world, right? It's like, oh, you know, we're all into guns, you know, law enforcement and stuff like that, tactics or, you know, whatever. 
it's like a, a extended family, right? Mm-hmm. Like people who work for NYPD will be your brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and people who work in like poor authority or something like that will count them mm-hmm. as like cousins. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's like one big extended family, right? So mm-hmm. it's natural for you to know other people in other law enforcements because you're mm-hmm. in the same conventions, you're in the same training, you know, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so Jimmy was picked up, but then you had to cover it up, and then what happened? That took like maybe two, three years. Oh no, no, sorry, two, two, three months for them uh-huh. to start trusting him again. Yeah. Um, Yam started to stay away from him, um, but then Jimmy claims that him and Yam, which is a detective, are arguing, mm-hmm. right? And that Yam is mad at him. He won't talk to him. But when I speak to Yam... Sorry, so now Jimmy's working for Internal Affairs, right? So now he's got to get some recordings on those guys. Right. So now he's going to have to get um, on record that he's paying them off. Yeah. Right. So they want to pay off Yam and Sung. So for Jimmy and and Sung, I would be the middle person because Sung is Korean and -hmm. Jimmy's Chinese and I'm Chinese. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we would get Sung... um, had a dinner together with Jimmy, and then Jimmy would give him gift cards, whatever, and pay him off, whatever, and so forth and so on, and they got that part. And then with Yam, Jimmy was trying to pay off Yam, and then Jimmy would claim that Yam is pissed off at him. I suspect at the time, I was like, I think Jimmy gave Yam the heads up, right? Because Yam has been, like, very, like, different, acting very different, right? Very, like, protective, right? And... And Turtle Fear swear that Jimmy didn't, but thousand percent that he did. That Jimmy and, uh, didn't give Yam the heads up. Hmm. That, okay. Yeah, that I I'm a thousand percent that Jimmy did give Yam the heads up. That yeah. he's playing double agent now. Right. Right. So why? Because Yam and Jimmy are very close. Um. Two. I think Jimmy was kind of scared of Yam. Hmm. Right. Um. Three. I would have them both in the same room together and give them the opportunity by themselves for for Jimmy to give Yam the money. Mm-hmm. And then after the operation, Jimmy will go back to internal affairs and said, oh, I didn't have an opportunity to give it to him, that there was too many people in the room or huh. that you know he didn't want to take it, so forth and mm-hmm. so on. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's bullshit because mm-hmm. I had them both in the room by themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I even text internal affairs like they're in the room by themselves now until Jimmy makes the move now. You know? So and so on, and um, but good thing is that Jimmy didn't know that I was undercover. Yeah. Um, we kept that separate still. And then um. So they know, never got Yam. They they got um one payment at Yam's house when he had a barbecue there, and then um they claimed that that payment was no good because they put in the wrong paperwork because it was outside city limits, oh. and yeah, they messed up on paperwork or something like that, and they had to do it again. Um, so supposedly they, they did it again. They finally got him and then that's when they went in and arrested them both. But here, here's the kicker, right? So they got arrested in December of 2014, December, 2014, mm-hmm. January of 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, no, sorry. December, 2015. They got arrested in December, 2015. And then January, 2016, you see Jimmy at the police commissioner's Christmas party, taking pictures with the police commissioner. What? Yeah. <laughs> so that made the papers. Right? Oh, boy. And, yeah. 
I, I saw it because Jimmy was showing off on WeChat, like, oh, I'm friends with the commissioner, blah, blah. And he didn't, not getting arrested or whatever, so forth, so on. Oh. To this day, he's still out there oh. doing his thing. Yeah, so. Oh, so even though you got all this on him and you went to court, he didn't get arrested then? Or he they they, they claim that they arrested him, but he's still out there doing his thing. So he's still running karaoke bars? Yeah, in full force, even worse now, because nobody goes there to do checks now. <laughs> oh, my God. Steve, how does that make you feel? You you spent two years on this, and the guy's still doing it? Yeah, that guy is still doing it. I hear Sung is a millionaire now because he's out there consulting. That's like the word, yeah. consulting, for all oh, these boy. places. We're teaching them how not to get caught, oh, um, protecting them still. Yam is well off he has like a restaurant now stuff like that a partnership in a so-called quote-unquote restaurant where i'm pretty sure there's illegal activities oh going God. on you know what i mean like it all made off really well and then jimmy's full operation um that chief which was chief Pazuti, they had slapped her on the wrist for taking free dinners and then you know she got to retire and then she oh, sued God. She sued, claiming that she got forced out of the department because she was a female. Oh, and boy. then she ended up winning that lawsuit. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then the chief's driver, he's still on the job. Um, there was a lieutenant from the 7-2 precinct that um, had partnership in some of the karaoke's in Brooklyn. He's retired. Um, you have a lieutenant from Vice Unit that was also running some of the prostitution places and some of the... The, the bars, whatever, and he got to retire. You have another sergeant. I don't want to mention his name, but mm-hmm. he's gonna he's a lieutenant now, and he's going to be a captain soon, and he's going to return back to the 109, he claims, and oh, to, like, wreak havoc. All right? <laughs> he's still on the job. You have um, other captains that are commanding officers of precincts, you know, involved that are still on the job. And... You know, Lieutenant Sung's brother that was on the job also, he got to retire too. And all the other cops are still on the job. The only cop that got fired, the only cop that got fired is, I think he's Taiwanese also, um, James Zhu. Mm -hmm. And he didn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) What? Why did he get... Because he's Asian. Because he's Asian, right? So they wanted to make it seem like it was an Asian thing, right? Um. All he did was Lieutenant Sung asked him to run a name or something like that in a computer. So as a cop, if somebody, if your boss tells you to run a name, you do it. You don't ask why. You just do it, right? Yeah. He didn't know why Lieutenant Sung asked him to run a name. Right. So he ran the name in the computer, right? And then it, he gave the information to Lieutenant Sung, and that's it. That was the end of it, right? They mm-hmm. asked him when the internal affairs interviewed him, and they asked him what happened. He told him, Lieutenant Sung told me to run a name, and I did that, and that's right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they fired him for that, for telling the truth. It's Gio. All the other cops that lied what? are still on the job. Wait a minute. Why Why would you get fired for that? Because they're trying to cover it up. So after I went, after this thing happened, I had to go to internal affairs. They put me in internal affairs, and I'm in internal affairs, and they're messing with me there. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm like, why are they messing with me? Right? I'm thinking maybe because they think I'm a rat. You know, they label me as a rat or whatever or whatever. Right? And I'm like, this is bullshit, right? So they mess with me there. And then when the case is finally over, they take settlements because they were supposed to get jail time, right? Um, Lieutenant Sung and Detective mm-hmm. Yen. They were supposed mm-hmm. to get one year jail time and get felony mm-hmm. charges, right? Yeah. No. They got a plea deal for misdemeanor charges and a slap on the wrist, stay out of trouble for one year, no jail time. 
Wow. Right? And they got to keep their pensions. Oh, my God. Right? So Yam was supposed to at least get fired because he doesn't have 20 years to retire, mm-hmm. right? So right. he was supposed to get fired. No, mm-hmm. he, got to, he got to vest out, which is retire early. Oh right? God. You get whatever you put into your pension. He got oh. that. So he got to keep that. City taxpayers' money. Oh. <laughs> Still paying for these criminals, right? So after that happened, after they settled the case, they had to settle the case because the district attorney, um, the evidence that they were getting from internal affairs was bad. It was put together bad. They wrote it, you know, the whole thing was messed up. And so they gave him plea deals because of that. So after that happened, that's when they started really messing with me. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Steve Lee. You'll hear what happened to him after his undercover work and the related court case, how he's dealt with the pressure, his thoughts on how to combat corruption within the NYPD, why he ran for state assembly in 2020, and his plans to run again next year. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There we'll list any related links. Talking Taiwan publishes new episodes weekly. It's thanks to the support of listeners like you that our work is made possible. You can help us grow and continue producing engaging content by making a contribution to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Talking Taiwan. Supporters can snag a Talking Taiwan tote bag, be invited to a quarterly AMA, or ask me anything session with me, Felicia Lin, the host of Talking Taiwan, or receive advanced notification of future guests. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, tell a friend about us, or help others to discover Talking Taiwan by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com. 